Animals do all kinds of things to get one another's attention, but what some birds do is extraordinary. In the case of a tropical bird called the golden-collared mannequin, to attract females, the males leap between saplings, not flying because their wings are doing something else. They're smacking one another behind their backs with such force as to make a loud snap. On this episode of the American Scientist podcast, Matthew Fuchsjäger, a biologist at Wake Forest University, has been studying these birds as part of his research into how evolution interacts with an animal's physiology to produce these magnificent behaviors. I'm Robert Frederick, and I began by asking him for some context about how he started studying this question. So I started actually as a behavioral endocrinologist. So I studied how hormones influence behavior, and I did that in uh, mice that were actually from the New World, right? New Paramiscus mice. And so I, I got into endocrinology, but then around that time, people started really thinking about how hormone systems evolve and what that evolution does for adaptation. And that really captured my imagination. And so I found kind of a lab to work in as a postdoc that I thought had a lot of potential to really study those issues. And so that's that's and so I went there and I got into working with mannequins and birds. And my advisor was amazing and he was kind of very supportive of letting me cultivate my own research interests and program. Now I understand you study the golden collared mannequin. Tell me a little no. bit about that one mannequin that in particular. One, yes. Um, so the golden collared mannequin is from he lives in the lowland rainforests of uh, Panama, and then he kind of is in Colombia a little. And he's a really cool bird in that he's brightly colored, so he's got this kind of jet black, these jet black feathers on its back and wings, and this brilliant kind of gold collar. And what they do is the males aggregate in the forest and form a lek, that's what we call it. And then each male establishes his own little display site within the lek, and those males will then perform this elaborate dance that's very physical, very athletic, to try to woo females and bring them in to mate. And so a lot of this behavior is jumping really, really quickly, like a little cannonball between saplings around this kind of arena he's constructed. And they also do this remarkable thing where they take their wings and they hit them together above their back, and it produces a loud snapping sound. Um, You've given me a recording of that. Is that snapping sound unique to the golden-colored mannequin? No, so a lot of birds, um, including many other mannequins, produce um, what we would call sonations or these mechanical sounds through body movement. So hitting their wings together above their back in the way that they do is unique to the mannequins within that genus. So there's like there's four or five closely related mannequins. So there's like the white-collared mannequin and the orange-collared mannequin and the white-bearded mannequin. So they all do the same sound. Um, but other mannequins produce different types of mechanical sound through different types of movement. And then you can go into other families of birds, and they can produce different types of sounds through other means as well. But there was something unique about this 
particular species that drove you to study it, or not? Right, right. No, no, there was. So what I found so interesting, so remember, I was a behavioral endocrinologist, so I was interested in how hormones could actually control this behavior, and then how you could get the, how you could change these hormone systems and how the hormones signal in tissues to actually kind of promote or sustain the evolution of this re remarkable behavior in, in this one species. So is there some past research to suggest that it was the hormones driving this, oh, yes. uh, not something else? Yeah, so there was a lot of past research that was suggesting that testosterone was playing a role in um, kind of mediating this behavior. So when these birds began to court in the dry season in the tropics, uh, testosterone levels generally increased, and then when they when they stopped courting in the wet season, testosterone levels would kind of go back down to baseline. And then there was some other work showing that if you give a male testosterone, he'll, he'll start courting um, in the non-breeding season, stuff like that. So how did your research build on that? So then I was interested in where hormones, where does testosterone was acting? And um, there was also a little bit of work suggesting that it was, it was the wing muscles. And so I, that's, where I, that's where I stepped in and became very interested in what, a, what was special about these wing muscles and what testosterone was actually doing to these wing muscles. And so how had these muscles evolved to be more responsive to testosterone? So you mentioned before that the dance uh, and the clicking wasn't necessarily unique, but is there something unique then about these hormones and how they're acting within the golden-collared mannequin to produce the clicking? Yeah, so we found through kind of, for physiologists, larger comparative studies that the muscles that control this kind of clicking or snapping in these golden-colored mannequins, uh, those muscles are really, really sensitive to testosterone. So they express uh, just a ton of the receptor, the androgen receptor that's needed to capture the testosterone um, into a cell or from the blood. Um, so that's what's special about the muscles that's, that's one of the things that's special about these muscles that control the snapping. Is this research primarily observational, or did you experiment on the golden-collared mannequin? Well, it's a mixture of both, and observational in the sense that we take measurements of kind of gene expression, or we measure and observe, so to speak, what the muscles look like. But we try to keep it as experimental as possible. And so one of the studies we did is we actually gave wild, kind of freely displaying birds a drug called Cazadex. And this is, this is the drug that's actually it was used to help treat uh, prostate cancer. Um, and it, it blocks androgen receptor in the periphery, but not in the brain. So it doesn't actually cross into the brain. So essentially you could give this to a bird, and we did, and <clears throat> release it, and then you can block all the androgen action, how testosterone can act completely outside of the brain, but not, not touch how androgen is acting inside of the brain. So you preserve androgen's ability to influence you know, sexual desire, motivation, all these kinds of things but you prevent it from acting at the muscles. And then we observed behavior from that. And we could measure all sorts of things. And so we found that by, by treating males in this way, by giving them this Cazadex. Wait, you did this in the wild? It, yeah, that's right. So we would give them a little implant, and it was this little specially designed implant that would release little bits of Cazadex every day over about you know, 21 days, three weeks, right? And then eventually it dissolves and goes away. And so the bird kind of 
goes on living. And so you could, you could glimpse to, uh, the bird for this kind of three weeks in its life and see how the drug affected its behavior. And what did you find with this intervention, giving this drug to the bird? How did it affect its dancing or snapping? So it basically decreased it, right? So all the, all the behavior that we would be interested in, all this display dancing, was significantly lower in these treated birds. And remember, this is happening, and we know that it's not happening because of effects of testosterone at the level of the brain. It's happening because of effects of testosterone in the periphery, so particularly these muscles. We could then also measure the motor skill that's needed for some of these really complex display behaviors. And we found that by blocking testosterone in these muscles, you actually completely disrupted this fine motor skill they need to perform the behavior. So we we're pretty confident that we're looking at the effects of androgen on the muscle and how that affects or influences the production of the dance. So even though the bird was motivated in the brain to exhibit this behavior, it, it, it didn't do it or it just wasn't as good at doing it? it no, it, it, it tried to do it. That is a good question. It tried to do it, and when it tried, it wasn't as good. But we know that they were still motivated to do it. The males would call just as much as a, a untreated control male. So they were, they were calling out. Uh, in the same way that a normal male would, and they maintained their little display site. They didn't abandon it. They stayed there, and we found them every day, like diligently waiting to court females. They were just not as good at doing it. <laughs> okay. Did this intervention, the giving the drug, did it affect anything other than the dancing behavior or the capacity to dance? Yeah, so another cool effect that we found was so as I said, it didn't affect how much they called, so the frequency of calling, but we found it actually did affect the acoustic parameters or like the acoustic structure of the call they were able to broadcast. So it had, um, you know, we saw some of the notes within this call changed in length, and then we saw the fundamental frequency or some of the, these frequency characteristics of certain notes in their call were actually shifted in response to this treatment. And we think what's happening there is that birds have a, a vocal organ called the, the syrinx, and that's outside of the brain. That's in the periphery, and it's, it's basically a clump of muscle and cartilage around the, the trachea, and it, it guides how air moves through the trachea. And, ultimately underlies their ability to produce sound um, in, for song. And so we think we're affecting the dynamics of that action, how, how the muscles and how that cartilage could, could actually regulate sound production. So if hormones are making the golden-collared mannequin <laughs> a, a better dancer, a faster snapper, what exactly is going on physiologically? How exactly are the hormones doing that work? This is a really good question, and you know, a lot of, so one of the things I was always unsatisfied when I was training um, as like a PhD student is a lot of people in the field would kind of inject an animal with hormones and they'd see how the behavior changed. But I always wondered like, and I mean, a lot of people did address this issue, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't be too kind of cavalier about this, but you know, I wanted to know, especially in wild animals, what was the hormone doing to the tissue that was affecting the behavior? Um, and so, so that raised this question for me with this bird in that what is testosterone actually doing to this muscle? And so we've done a lot of work looking at how androgens influence kind of 
gene expression in this tissue and how they influence what the tissue can actually do. And so some of the interesting stuff we found is that there's one muscle in particular, it's a muscle on the bird's back, that actually drives uh, the wings to move and snap together. And it's what we would think of as a, a so-called superfast muscle. So one of these muscles that contracts and relax or relaxes at you know, extraordinary speeds. So in this case, we can have we have evidence that this one back muscle on the bird can contract and relax, you know, 100 times per second in a way that would actually move the wing. So this was very exciting. And so and we've got a, a clip of that too. And so this is really exciting because we've now started to uncover that androgens are actually responsible for making this muscle super fast. Uh, so by blocking the hormone, you're blocking the number of receptors that are getting the signal or how strongly they're getting the signal, or, or is there a difference? Um, well, in theory, we should be blocking uh, pretty much the ability of testosterone to act through the receptor. So we, we should be blocking pretty much all of it, or a lot of it. Okay. So there should be little androgen action. All right. What's next on the research path? What is next? So we are, we're right now, we're interested in looking at how, how muscle physiology and how the ability of testosterone and androgens to act on these muscles is actually going to influence behavior and how, how that influences a female's decision about whether to mate with a male. So can we start to kind of link up a lot of these concepts and see if our manipulations and our measurements of what their muscles can do can predict how successful a male is when he actually performs the behavior for a, a female. And then we're also interested in looking at these other elusive mannequin species to see what's going on in their muscles, how might their muscles differ according to subtle differences in their display behavior to get an idea of what is evolving and how are you evolving these muscles, these sorts of things. Matthew Fuchsjäger, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Matthew Fuchsjäger is a biologist at Wake Forest University who studies animal display behavior, including how hormones make birds better dancers. You've been listening to a podcast from American Scientist Magazine, a publication of Sigma Xi, the Scientific Research Honor Society. Visit us online at americanscientist.org. I'm Robert Frederick. Thanks for joining us.